Remind you, this is our third week in this season of Epiphany, which is a season about uh, reminding us that God is someone who reveals himself to us. And, we, and, and so this is a season where we look at, in the life of Jesus, how he does that. And then hopefully it helps encourage us to think of how the Lord uh, might reveal himself to us, not only this morning, but as we go out, and how we might invite others to see the glory of God being manifested. We have, we have looked at the story of the wise men, the magi, and then last week was Jesus' baptism, and today our, uh, is a long passage, and it's, it's all one, it's back to back to back, but I'm going to treat it as kind of three different readings. And I think these three readings, in a lot of ways, really um, give us a full picture of how we can engage this season. And so... Let's go to God in prayer as we engage God's word. Will you pray with me? Jesus, in our doubts, allow us to be honest and open so that we can hear again that you are showing yourself to us. God, in our uh, fear, I pray that we might know that we can be people who invite you into others' lives. And God, I pray as we look to the future, we might know that you want to be a part of our lives and that we can leave here following you in real ways. May your words speak to us today boldly, through some of these promises, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So this is a lot of scripture, but I'm not talking a lot today. So this is, uh, I just hope that in some ways you will listen and maybe even in each of these sections, notice where God uh, is speaking to you or how these stories might in some ways engage what's going on in your life. So let's listen for God's word this morning. First passage begins in John 1.35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John, what John had said and would follow Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. It's first reading. And the second one, picking right up in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding, uh, finding Philip. He said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found uh, Nathanael and told him, 
We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there, Nathaniel asked? Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And then finally, the third passage. Picking up again right after in John 2 now. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They got no more wine! Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood stick stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servant uh, who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After this, he went to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, three different passages, three different vignettes over three consecutive days. And, and how I see it is this. We have the first one, where Jesus invites a couple of guys to come and see. And then the second passage, where somebody else, or in this case, if we want to put ourselves in the scripture, we could say, we invite others to come and see Jesus. That's what they do in the thing. They say, man, just come and see. And then the last one is where Mary invites Jesus into something. Each of those things is... Jesus invites to come and see, and then we invite others to come and see what Jesus is up to, and then the last one, we invite Jesus into something. 
in the uh, men's Bible study where we tend to study the uh, scripture text uh, uh, of the sermon from the week before, Nick Dom mentioned how, how normal these scenes are. It, you know, it's like four o'clock in the afternoon and hanging out. And it, if you could easily put it like one's at work, one is a guy who's relaxing under a tree and one's at a wedding. There is nothing super special here. But it's why I think these uh, scriptures are so important to reflect on for ourselves. These are three ways that uh, they, they let us reflect on the past without being nostalgic to, to see what Jesus has been up to, to be present uh, with love when we're with people hoping that they will come and see Jesus, and to think about the future with hope, hope in something that's beyond ourselves. And so again, here they are. Jesus invites us to come and see, which I think is an act of faith if we want to engage that. We invite others to come and see Jesus. I think that's an act of love. And we invite Jesus into something like Mary does. Well, that's an act of hope. Faith, love, hope. I'm about to invite some people up. And we're going to talk about these things. But as you're thinking this week, about these three little buckets, I think this is what makes our faith come alive. To be able to engage these things, to be able to believe these things are true and possible for where we are in our lives. If we want our faith to truly invigorate us, I think we need to take these things seriously. And so I want to uh, invite up uh, three people, um, Matt Simons, Juliana Rue, Jared Jackson, and I'm inviting them to come up, and I've asked them to kind of explore parts of their own life through some of these themes. Uh, and I think it was Frederick Buechner, but I don't know. So I'm paraphrasing this quote. Uh, but I think it's him. He says something like, the most personal thing is the most universal. That the more that we can articulate what is truly going on in our lives, the more it will connect to others. And that's somewhat my hope, is that anytime we're preaching, whether it's just me or whether it's more of a conversation, the hope is, is that we can engage this from a personal perspective and that it can somehow catalyze how you're thinking about things. And, and that's what I would love to be able to do today. I'm going to get one more microphone. And so, here's what I'll tell you. This first question is planned. The rest of it is not. They don't know what's coming. And so, uh, I'm personally very excited about that. Uh, but where it's awkward or where they're stumbling, I hope, you know, if it's like super polished sermon, you can just take it in and ignore it or whatever. This is a time for all of us to wrestle, and that's what I hope it is for you. That these questions, they can be molded over in your own head, even as they're giving them. Um, uh, but first, thank you all for being willing to share. It's one of the great joys of my job that I get to hear stories about how God's at work in other people's lives. And it's been great to know that for you all and to know that I could invite you up and you might have something to say. Um, and so... Uh, first, and Julian, I'll start with you, and we'll just kind of uh, go around, but as you've 
thought about uh, this scripture and uh, some of the stories that we've been in conversation about, I'd love for you to share a little about your life and, and how this scripture has in some ways informed uh, what you were thinking about that um, or how it relates um, to it. Sounds good. Well, um, so I think for me, the, the, the thing that really stood out the most to me is this notion of coming and seeing um, and really being in a season of um, listening to God's voice and, and saying, come and see. So um, this about this time last year, um, I was gearing up to go on the women's retreat and um, shameless plug for the women's retreat. I think there's still a few more spots open. Um, but I was also training for a half marathon at the time, and I was super excited to go on the women's retreat to not only hear Maisie and to spend time with my friends and to, quite frankly, get away from my three children <laughs> at times, um, uh, but also to, to train for this race. So I knew that on Saturday afternoon, I would have about two or three hours where I could um, go and run around beautiful Lake Lanier. Um, uh, it was a half marathon, so I think my goal that day was like, I needed to run eight miles. Um, and I started on my little uh, trek around Lake Lanier, and it's a beautiful place for those of you all have, who haven't been to the little resort there, but um, it, it, I was in a season of just, um, in a mindset, I think, because of um, the preaching that had been going on that weekend already. I was listening for God's voice, so um, I think I was just more in tune with um, with myself and my surroundings, and um, so I was, I was running along, and I saw up ahead a group of um, three women. I did not know these three women very well, um, but I just felt God nudging on my heart of, you need to stop training for this race and go and speak to these um, three gals, and I was a little annoyed by that, quite frankly, because <laughs> I was like, when else in my life am I going to have three hours just to go and run and train for this race? But, um, but I listened to that voice and to that nudge of um, come and see what, um, what I have to say. And so after walking around um, Lake Lanier with Elizabeth Burdett and Mary Flynn Nemitz and one of Elizabeth's friends um, that afternoon for Lord knows how long, I think probably another six miles or so, um, we, I had really come to, I feel like, know these three women and what was going on in their life, um, and specifically, um, I was hearing from Elizabeth that she was in the process of interviewing for these two different jobs, um, and I, myself, was in a season where I was super stressed at work and just staying up super late and not really loving um, what I was doing, the work that I was doing, and so um, I felt God literally saying to me, like, whichever of these two jobs Elizabeth does not take, like, you should really inquire about that and see um, <laughs> if anything can come out there. And sure enough, um, we were in communication a few days after the women's retreat, and um, and so I, I ended up actually getting one of the jobs that she did not take, um, and so, which has been a huge blessing. So I think just the notion of coming and seeing um, and listening for God's voice in, um, in conversation and in um, communication, I think, is um, what stood out the most to me here. That's great. There was like four things that were genuinely impressive. Eight-mile run, lis listening to God, then a six- or seven-mile walk. I'm like, what's going on at y'all's retreats? Step up our game in the inside. Uh, thank you. Um, Jared, for you, I'd love to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but one of the things that's been most encouraging to me, um, and actually convicting, uh, challenging, is the ways that you have a passion 
for some of the biblical promises of faith, and you're willing to step out and invite people into those. Uh, and so I'd love for you to be able to share a little bit um, about that and, and how that has been for you and, and how this scripture in some ways uh, was able to speak into that. Okay. Um, and to kind of get more specific, I mean, I think the uh, topic that I'm really talking about here is, you know, racial reconciliation and, and um, reconciliation generally, um, and kind of a vision for um, the diversity of the kingdom of God. Um, and so <laughs> that could be a really long story, but I'll try to do like a short version. Um, but as far as kind of my story here at Kairos, I, um, starting in like, I don't know, three years ago, let's say, two or three years ago, really began um, deeply uh, thinking about, praying about, reading about, seeking information about um, racial reconciliation, specifically Christ's heart for that. Um, I heard a podcast. Uh, um, <laughs> Lisa Sharon Harper, so please go Google her, but um, speaking about a very biblically based view of what it means for every person to be an image bearer of God, what it means for us to um, seek the shalom of the kingdom where every image bearer is fully humanized and protected and um, loved. And so that really started me on this really kind of like internal um, path. But through that, seeking that, being interested in that, I guess I told some people to listen to that podcast probably. Um, and I think it's funny that Mary Flynn was part of your story too, but um, she should be up here. Um, because of kind of knowing that I was interested in that and some things I had invited people to or reading. Um, Mary Flynn and Micah, when I uh, joined leadership last December, January, were able to right away invite me into, hey, like we know this is something that you're interested in. We want you to be a part of this conversation that's already happening here, um, which I was like, <laughs> great, here we go. <laughs> um, maybe like a little too. Um, it's great. Um, but I think like what I really see in this, what really resonated for me here is this idea that, you know, um, the people that were invited to, you know, where their friends or teachers were saying, look, here's Jesus, and that they were able to immediately go they were all seeking Jesus together and knew that. It wasn't like, hey, you've never cared about who the Messiah is, but today I'm telling you that's him. That wouldn't be motivating. Um, but this idea that this had been something that had been sort of brewing in me for a while, that I was in community with people who knew that and who were able to say, hey, I see that this is something you're interested in. Let me invite you into a community um, and an, into a path where this is happening. Um, and I can say more, but I can also stop. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
we'll have follow-ups. But one of the things, and you might sit, talk about this later, is you talk about that brewing and things happening is like, I know for you, that was not always pain-free or without frustration. It's not like, oh yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot and I'm excited. But to be, for things to grow and for things to be prepared and to wait on things is a hard thing. It's not just, uh, and so when we think about that for our own lives, I think that's a compelling and encouraging part of your story that God has shown up in those powerful ways, even though it wasn't always an easy um, path. Um, but Matt, interested in what you have to say, I offered Matt a, hey, man, I think this story would really relate, and Matt goes, I'm not really that interested in that, I don't think that would really relate, uh, but I do like the Gospel of John, uh, and so Matt, what do you have to say about the uh, Gospel of John? Um, I just <laughs> am angry that I have to follow those two things, because those are also very impressive, and mine is pretty much the exact opposite. Um, Hey, one guy was sitting under a tree, so, uh, you know, it's yeah. not... <laughs> I guess we had to have a guy up here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, my story, I mean, I shared a little bit of this at Thanksgiving, um, but I'm, I'm not going to focus as much on that. I'm going to kind of take into the current chapter, but um, I was just in a, I was in a work situation that was extremely toxic, and I just really felt like I had gotten to a place where it was almost, almost unredeemable or just just not the right fit anymore, or a better choice maybe to go pursue something else. And so um, I was working on, on kind of exiting and, and moving out, but there was just this like heaviness. Um, I feel like I really separated my life and my Christian life from work. And like, it just was, they weren't at all shared, you know, and um, it was like two separate people almost. Um, and that's obviously not the way we're supposed to enter into our workplaces. And so, um, you know, just all of that kind of sin building up and living in that was, was heavy on me. And then, um, you know, on the day I was quitting, I, you know, I, I was like almost excited because it was going to be more of a celebration. And um, the Lord just hit me with like a wave of grace um, just to redeem like all of that sin all at once. Um, and I could only think about like the, the actual good parts that were there uh, that I just chose not to look at. Um, and so this scripture, or let me say first, I would say now I'm in a chapter where I really have to trust the Lord because I'm, I'm kind of out on my own in the deep end doing, you know, my own thing now. And so it's like, okay, well, now I have to, you know, A, figure out what I'm doing, but B, um, I, I don't want to be in that place anymore. I, I, I don't want to be in that chapter again. Uh, now I want my work to engage the Lord. Um, and so um, I was just really struck by um, uh, John the Baptist when he's sitting there and he's proclaiming so excited and so um, so confidently, look, the Lamb of God, like, just, you can almost, like, vision him pointing, you know, it's like, look, um, and I just, I want to live my life in a way that I'm, I'm saying, look, there's God right there, you know, um, I have, haven't been doing that, and I would love to do that. Thank you. One of, uh, and now we're going to go into, anyone can answer, but it's going to be in relation to specific stories. But one of the, just beginning with yours, that I, as I was reading this scripture, Mary asked Jesus to, hey, you know, we're running out of wine. You, feels like you could solve this problem. You could engage this and this would be really good. And he kind of is like, pushes back on her a little bit. Or is like saying, it's not my time and it would leave me a little gun shy. And a little, like, I hear in your story a little bit of, I know at least early on you would have loved to have 
Jesus very clearly a part of your work. And it didn't feel like the timing was there. And then it surprised you almost. And so I'm wondering for any of y'all, if it is like one of the things for me is scary about asking Jesus to show up is that it's very clear if I don't think he's showing up. Like if I just don't ask him, I don't have to worry about whether he did or not. And so I'm wondering if y'all have found that in any, in any of the aspects of the things that you've talked about of like, God, I'd love for you to show up here and then either gotten scared or fearful or felt a little bit out there once you've made that request and you're not sure what it's going to look like. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I would say there's a lot of fear for me in, in this conversation. I feel really scared a lot of the time <laughs> um, to kind of step out to um, invite people into this conversation, um, you know. Um, but I think more than fear in terms of this inviting Jesus in is, as so boldly here, like frustration with Jesus. That's such a nice way to feel, but, um, and I don't know that it's with Jesus, but I do feel really frustrated a lot of the time about like the timing, like you're saying, like, why is this not happening in the timeline that I think it should happen in? Um, but in reading especially the third part, like trying to get this farther and farther away. Mm -hmm. um, it really was meaningful, there's a better word, but to read this graciousness of the wine um, and the abundance that's there and just the reassurance both in, this is in one, Um, you will see greater things than that. You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, you will see greater things than that. And then, um, you know, every, and down in whatever that is, 10, everyone brings out the choice wine first, um, but you have saved the best till now. Just this reminder that I think I know when things are supposed to happen or what is going to happen, and I really don't. There's going to be beyond what I can imagine and um, it's, there's still so much grace to come. Um, I would say that I think that um, God normally whispers, and so, I mean, we don't get too many waves of graces, and I, and I think it's really, the challenge is like asking him to show up in the way, or, or, or proclaiming him showing up in a way is attractive. I mean, in scripture, it's attractive. Andrew instantly come, he, and he comes, and then mm -hmm. he also then proclaims himself. And then, you know, how do we do that when most of the time we're like, is this God? Is it not God? Um, you know, or, hey, I'm not seeing him at all. Um, and um, how do we proclaim him? How do we continue to proclaim him so confidently when um, we're either waiting for him to show up or not sure if it's him or we're not seeing him? Um, so I think that's where I've struggled either not seeing him or, um, you know, just not even really asking him. Uh, 
I would say those are the two things. And for me, um, the line that stood out really here about God's perfect timing, I think, is I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. So before we even know what our next step is or before we feel God's calling, like God has already seen that and, um, and has that perfect plan. And so I think that's really um, from my story, like, I didn't even really know that I needed to, that I was so annoyed with my job, you know, like, I didn't even know that there was something greater out there for me, and that, um, that I needed to be even listening, but I just happened to, um, be in in that spot, and, um, more in tune, and I say, I think that that, um, is really where I see, yeah, saw him in this, in the timing, in the perfect Mm -hmm. timing. All three of you don't have to answer this, but you're welcome to, uh, as you were talking, Juliana, I was thinking, it's not easy to look for God. It's not easy to, like, stop your routine and go and see, you know, look and see where the Lord might be showing up. But I do think it can be easier if, like, you want a new job. You know, like, it's easy to look for where God is in your work when you'd like to find new work. Or, or uh, you know, it's harder if, to look for God in your marriage when you've been married 30 years, or at your church, if you've been going forever. It's easier when something's new or change is possible. Um, and so I'm wondering, Bernie, I mean, you're now in this job. Have you been encouraged, or have any of you found ways to continue to look for the Lord, uh, even when the newness wears off, or, or how maybe that experience has encouraged you to do that in, in different ways uh, and in different circumstances? Um. I mean, I think, yeah, that it's, it is very easy to let those um, instances kind of fall by the wayside or not be reminded that God was present in those moments and continues to be present in those moments. I think for me, like, I I am drawn to relationships, so I know that one very positive reminder of that is whenever I see Elizabeth Burdett, like, I'm, I'm like, Mm. oh my gosh, like, that played out in, um, and, and, I mean, she and I would not necessarily have even known each other that well um, if not for that moment. And so I think that um, just those reminders of, of the um, grace of God and the work of God in our lives can come in many different forms. And um, to continue to keep our ears and eyes open is a very challenging thing for me personally to do. Um, but I, yeah, the reminders tend to come through people and interact. One of the most profound things I have found with church and inviting people into aspects of my life or encountering the Lord with others is exactly what you just said of like people become reminders uh both encouragement and accountability of like who we are who we want to be where the Lord's calling us I think that's definitely true I mean to that same point like in this story and what I was thinking about is this is a literal He's literally walking on a path, and people are following along, and some people are closer, and some people are calling, and I just feel very much that, you know, in the field of racial reconciliation, like, this is a path that so many people are ahead of me on, and I'm not just following Jesus, you know, I think we all are, but that there are other people who I can talk to or read or listen to who are continuing to show the way. Um, 
and kind of remind me of the path that we're on. Last question. As you've reflected on some of your story in the past, engaged the scripture, are there ways that you hope um, God's word encourages you or you can lean into uh, one of these buckets, all of these buckets, a habit or a discipline? You're like, man, I really want to prioritize this going forward. Having remembered how I have seen God or felt life in inviting people into it uh, or God's shown up when I've asked him to, um, thinking forward, uh, what would you love to take from it and be encouraged into? Uh, sorry, I'm going to borrow that, though, from you, if you don't mind. Right. The scripture. Um, I would really love um, to invite people in this format. I think, um, I think it, in the Lord's Prayer, it says that, like, the, we all know it because it says the Lord taught us how to pray. Well, I think this is the Lord teaching us how to invite. Um, and I really, I, I do think there's two factors. The, the beginning, like the look, I'm going to sound like a simple-minded man. I am, but I'm going to sound like it. Um, <laughs> we're just repeating that one piece. Um, but, but I love that. Did you stop reading yeah, after the second right. verse? It was the, yeah, it was easy. Um, no, it was, uh, it's just the excitement that he's real to you. Where is that taking place in your life? Um, if, you're not, if you're not inviting from that place, then... It's not as attractive. Um, and then come and you will see, and that's the actual invitation to join you in something, you know. And that can look so different for all of us. I mean, it doesn't have to be everybody and, you know, bring your coworker to church day. Like, it just, it can be, hey, like, you've got these kids. Our kids are loving our children's ministry. Or we're doing this fun thing at family night. Come, come. Like, we'd love to. Or, hey, we love this one couple, and y'all are pretty similar. Let's go to get dinner, you know. It's so many different ways to do that. Um, but starting with that, like, look, like, this is happening right here, um, and then just doubling down on it, um, I think is how we are supposed to invite, and I don't do it, so I'd love to do it. Um, I think for me, the, actually, the thing that I'm hoping to take away the most, the provision of God, so the he actually provided the wine when they needed the wine, which, let's be honest, we sometimes do, um, and, um, I think that, just the provision of God, like, even when we're sitting under a fig tree, not even paying attention, like, God does provide, and he provides in big ways, and we may not even know what we need to be provided, and yet he is, um, there in, in, in provision for us. My first thought is, you know, I have, I know said to you, like, I'm so excited, <laughs> and have felt in different times, like, a big nerd, um, scared, embarrassed in the way that to invite people or in the way that I'm inviting people. Um, and so in just like leaning into my <laughs> nerdy excitement, but um, it really does come from a deep belief that this is Christ's heart. And so I'm gonna keep being excited. Awesome. Well, thank you all very much for sharing a bit of your story, reflecting on these questions. Um, thanks for preaching. Let's pray. Jesus, through your word, through your church, we believe that you have spoken this morning. And so, God, may we 
take these thoughts and really um, sit in, where are you inviting us to come and see? How could we invite others?